You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. And I'm joined by the man I'm always joined by here in the garage, Bubby Castrone. Hey, Bob. Hey, Dan. It would be really messed up if you were joined by someone else. Like if I just happened to like <laughs> be driving and I see a new throwback <laughs> pop up on my, uh, my iPhone and it's just you and uh, some rando in here. That would... That would hurt, I would, would imagine. Hurt. Yeah, that would hurt. Because what we've been able to b- build here over a hundred, I think this is our one hundred and twenty something, maybe twentieth flat. Can you think? Can you can you imagine if I just swapped would, you out? It um, would it would mostly hurt just learning at that point that you could have done anything to contribute to this podcast, and you were just choosing <laughs> not to. Imagine if I if I swapped you out with someone that was uh, better looking, uh, funnier, smarter, and then on top of it. Also, I started putting in a ton of work on the show. <laughs> That's the part that would really hurt. That's like, look, look, you could be, you could like break up with somebody and then, you know, she dates somebody who's better looking and whatever, like right. that hurts in some way. But then if, if she starts putting that more effort into herself right. and she becomes that next level, get on the treadmill, yeah, start, you know, start eating some more salads, learn how to edit, learn how to edit all these things. <laughs> uh, check the email occasionally yep. in the face with ever. the listenership. <laughs> Um, this is a interesting, uh, setting for us. We are in the garage. We are. Um, but it's a matinee, a rare daytime in the garage with some good old day drinking, my favorite type of drinking, um, set in gloomy Los Angeles in, uh, the end of the worst year of all time. Yeah. And I love gloomy Los Angeles. Like when you say gloomy, that it just implies that it's not great since LA is perfect 355 days a year. These gloomy days where it's cloudy and overcast and a little cooler out, the New Yorker in me loves this. And I know you do, too, as a Pearl River boy. Nice, dude. I told you I've been working on some new drops. That's one of them. But did, was there music at the end of that drop? <laughs> did it just start fade into, like, Buck Cherry or something? What was that? That was terrible. We're work- no, we're working through some, you okay. know, obviously, some glitches, but... Uh, yeah, I, I just ha- I as I teased Bob before we started, I I came across some new um, drops that were I don't know how they were in my um, iTunes library, but they were, and I've just now slid them over, and now they're going to become a part of the show. And I know you're very <laughs> excited about it. I I'm dreading this, and this I think I think your excitement about it is why, or your dreading of it is why I'm so excited about. Well, it. Well, that makes sense. That kind yeah. of that defines our relationship right there to a T is like one of us would just love nothing more than to really just bother the other one in a case like that. Um, anyway, so we're, it's a daytime, um, a daytime episode of the throwback podcast. And it's also one that's a shout out to the super Patronis to all of the Patronis out there. Like we have been on Patreon for a couple of years now and you guys have been kicking in money to keep this thing going. And you guys literally are the reason that we're still doing this. So thank you to everybody. That's true. Patreon.com slash throwback pod. So in this episode, we reached out to the Patronis and said, if you have any questions, hit us up. We'll answer some of them on the pod. And the whole theme of this episode, this Brit pop spectacular 
came from a conversation we had with Neil. Neil. Yeah. And uh, give it up for Neil. Talking about Britpop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like <what>, too many. <laughs> too many. Um, it's hard to control the the, the drops. I, <laughs> I need I need a way to be able to stop it from rolling into the next drop. You're like carrot top with who just doesn't know how to wield his trunk of toys. Wait, Bob. Wait, Bob. Did you just hit me with a carrot top reference? Yeah, I did. <laughs> are they clapping or are they mad? It's hard to They're tell. They're cheering you. wait for i don't know i don't know what these are the show just got a lot better i think that's what uh, what we're getting at here right. what i'm getting at so through our messaging with Neil, we yeah. uh we were talking about doing Britpop, and he hit us up with a playlist for like a definitive Britpop, the music that we missed because outside of oasis and blur mm-hmm. not a lot of uh elastica a little bit mm. not a lot of uh Britpop really made it over for me here. a lot of elastica the entire catalog i enjoy the just well you were a big fan of justine fishman i believe she was feisty she was feisty. i wouldn't put her on mount babemore but uh um, british Britpop mm-hmm. of people that didn't really break over here mount babemore Sure, I'll put her on that list. Yeah, <laughs> her and Gaz Coombs from Supergrass, and and the blonde um, from the Macarena video. Macarena. Yeah. Well, she probably wasn't British, but she had a British look to her. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so yeah, this real now this whole episode is a Patreoni episode made possible by you guys. So thank you, everyone. patreoncom slash pod. So Dan, let's start with some uh, some questions. How does that sound to you? Mm, all right, sure. Dan's scanning his sound drops to see if there's anything <laughs> that could fit. All right, go ahead. Okay, the first question from Kramer Phillips. How did young Bob and young Dan meet? Okay. Hmm. How did we meet? It's hard to answer that because we didn't really, we grew up going to the same school, so we had definitely met in elementary school. We were friends in fourth grade. We stopped being friends at the end of fourth grade for no reason other than life. Yeah, just yeah, just no life. no reason at all. But we really became friends again in the eighth to ninth grade, playing uh, soccer, bonding over our inability to juggle a soccer ball. Yeah, I remember that because we see now I'm starting to get it. What you got to do is you hit the drop and then you have you control the volume. Got it. Um, yeah, there was a, a horrendous, awful setup with soccer. Now Bob and I were not the most talented guys on the roster um and it was also we were the you know part of the youngest team part of the roster so we were the j not even jv JV. we were in modified but they had us practicing with the varsity in the summer and this is during they don't do these things anymore but because of for health uh, reasons um and liability but we did double sessions uh in the summer and we did it with the varsity team and all these guys that had gotten laid you know, probably six times already at that point. Yeah, which was six times more than we were. We, we would even sniff at that point. for years. Yeah. Um, and it was really stressful because if you didn't juggle the ball, the soccer ball, 10 times, uh, and everybody took turns doing it. So you're doing you it just in go front da- of, You would just go down the line. Straight down the line, yeah. about 25 guys, I would say, maybe more. Um, and every time somebody failed, the entire team would have to run for it. Run a perimeter, which was around both soccer fields and the baseball diamond. It was a huge right. stretch of land. So, I mean, uh, to add to the stress of that, like half the guys on the team, and certainly the upperclassmen, the guys you looked up to and feared the most, 
doing a, a juggle of 10 was simple. But for us, and I played goalie, so I, I already knew that I, I didn't have any ball skills at all. I knew I could catch a little bit. That's why I played goalie. I was never someone who thought myself to be a soccer player that could be a juggling maestro right, you were somebody, striker down the edge. You, you were somebody poor ball skills but loved to catch. <laughs> exactly. I loved it. I was a real catcher. Um, and, uh, Bob, I believe you were a defender. You played fullback? I played a, I, anywhere they put me. I could play terribly. Me coach. <laughs> I'll play poorly wherever I'll play you poorly me. wherever on the field you want me to but be. But I remember you as a fullback. Isn't that the position? Yeah, no, I mostly play yeah. defense. Yeah. Is it called fullback? It was, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. Midfielder? No. Midfielder, you had to run the most. You weren't a striker. That. I know that. You Definitely not a center. Striker. Not a center. No, you were on defense. Yeah, it was a little defense. But uh, if you can call it that. So, yeah. So, we, we, would, uh, we would just be running the perimeters in the back, just knowing that it was our fault, that everybody hated us. And then we would <laughs> hang out in between the two a days, uh, drink Arizona iced teas, eat Hostess cupcakes, and uh, wonder why we weren't seeing any gains from all the exercising we were doing. And because uh, that should have been, at the very least, we should have really our bodies should have been improved. Well, we were fine. We weren't like fat pigs. No. <laughs> anyway, so that's the story of how we met. And then we just uh, hung out. We became friends with some other uh, dudes Bob like hates us. The applause drops so much, and I love that. No, I'm, I'm just used to so much applause. You just have to work through it. Otherwise, you're just stopping all the time. All right, Dan. Next question. But to- I will say this. I, re- I recall us putting in the work and practicing the juggling. Yes, we did. Because it was out of fear. And uh, I believe we both eventually were able to do the 10. I'm glad you have a happy memory. <laughs> that I don't remember ever being able to do it. Because um, the crowd celebrated. Joe Kennedy wants to know. This in is a, a, nice, way. a nice, simple question. Do you guys consider yourself Gen Xers or millennials or neither? Oh, well, we're right on the edge, 1980 babies, which means we're kind of um, a man without a country. We're not Gen X. Um, we we really are not millennials because I've looked this up because sometimes I do feel a little bit caught in between, especially working with some younger people at NFL um, because the millennial cutoff is like 1981. Right. And the Gen X cutoff, I believe, is 78 or 79. So we really do exist in this gray area, which I believe, Bob... Tell me if you agree. Although it does maybe hurt in terms of a, um, a standard, broad identity, it does allow us to travel in both territories right. and not be totally out of place. Yeah, I agree with that. I refuse to. There was like a thing about a year ago that defined what 1980 to 1982 was as its own little thing. And I don't subscribe to that. Like, we can't do that. Like, we have to be one or the other or a little bit of both. You're not we're not our own little subset of a generation i think i've always thought a little more gen x-y like i kind of like the gen x world more than the millennial but now that we're older if i have to say i'm a millennial to uh, get a job i'm young i'm a millennial what's the de- what's the definitive you're not a millennial what's the definitive uh, i know i'm not no, i don't think i am gen x uh youth film is it reality bites I think so. Reality, but which we, which I saw in the theater in seventh grade, and was like, I don't get this at all. Right. Yeah. It was just like this is going to be so cool when I'm 24. Right. Um, what would be the equivalent for millennials? The fact that I, personally speaking, don't know tells me a lot about I'm not a millennial because there's not a movie where I'm like, oh, this is our movie. You know what? I think like Boy Meets World is millennial. Saved by the Bell is Gen X. Like Chuck Klosterman, who's older than us, wrote about Saved by the Bell, and we get that. So I think right. we were at like the youngest of 
the Gen Xers as opposed to the oldest of the millennials. Okay. That's what I think. All right. I'll, I'll buy in on that. Rob's, I, you know what? I deserve an applause for that. That was good. Uh, Rob Steer wants to know who can chug a beer the quickest. Ooh, good I think, one. I think it's me for sure. Yeah, I would say so. Um, I've never really been a huge beer guy to start with, and chugging beer is, has never been really a thing. Like, we we did it in college. Right. We had the funnels and stuff. I don't remember much about that. I remember I, I was good enough to, like, if someone else did it, I could do it too, but I was never, like, the funnel king or anything. So I would give you the edge, but I don't really have any memory one way or the other. I mean, n- neither of us were ever in a frat, but I think I, in college I was definitely frattier than you, and I... Yeah, I would you know, say we, so. We, like, funneled and, you know, drinking shotgun beers and stuff, and so, yeah, I think I... You got, got the win there. I got the win there. Yes, I'll take it. Sheehan. Bob really needed a win. I had some, to give it to him. For some reason, no sound effects for my win. Um, Sheehan wants to know, would you rather be groomed by Boyd Tinsley over the next 12 months or only listen to new Metal for the same time period? <laughs> groomed by Boyd Tinsley, allegedly. Oh, but this is more this like is a, a hypothetical. hypothetical. Yeah, yeah. For how many months? For a full year, 12 months. Well, to be groomed is just to get a ton of compliments about your pubes and stuff. Honestly, right? being, I already know the answer. Being groomed by Boyd Tinsley sounds lovely. Yeah, probably. I imagine just getting texts from Boyd being like, you look so hot. A lot of positive affirmations. Yeah. What's not to love about that as opposed to having to listen to Fred Durst for a year? Right. It's like, oh, today you'll listen to POD for 24 straight hours. No, thank you. No, thank you. Bring Boyd over here. <laughs> Boyd, how do, how do I look today? <laughs> Uh, am I a dirty, pretty boy? Tell me about my, what do you think about my pants? What's his pubes line again? That's <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to pull it up right now. Um, boy Tinsley, nice, everybody. Nice and simple. Alex Flores wants to know, uh, who was your favorite MTV VJ? His was Adam Curry. Really? Adam Curry. Okay. Um, favorite MTV VJ. I'm going to say, well, obviously John Sensio. John Sensio, number one forever. Yeah, there's no. Forever and ever. I did have a big crush on Kennedy. Who now is a conservative pundit of some kind of yes, she's like a Fox News person, which is pretty wild to think about because right. of she was just the epitome of the Gen X free spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess that's what happens when you grow up; you start to suck. Um, but Sensio, I thought checked every box. Sensio, back when I had my blog as poop, I started writing about John Sensio. Mm. I know we talked about this on the pod, but now's the time to say it one more time. And I would just like I had his aim because I found it on his website. So I would just, any time he popped up on AOL Instant Messenger, I would message him like, hey, John, how you doing? And he ignored me constantly. And I would just put that on my blog. Every time he ignored me, I would ask him like a dumb question. And one day he accidentally responded and we went back and forth for a little while. What do you mean he accidentally? Well, like he definitely, he wrote something back and I think he immediately realized like, oh, I don't know this person. What am I doing? But then he just rolled with it for a little bit. And that was like the biggest success for me of all time. I remember that. And then years later, I had done a show for Spike TV and they were doing their like guys choice awards. And we were uh, sitting in the crowd and next to us at the next table, John Sensio. So I introduced myself. How do you look? Look good. He looked good. He's had a rough go. Like he's, he's beaten cancer. Like he's. That's Wait. for cancer. So you're booing cancer. Yes. Okay, good. But to this day, big supporters of John Sensio, whatever he's doing. We love John Sensio. We always did. That was about the time. So you were working at VH1 and obviously had time to kill. Yep. Um, I was working at a public relations firm. I didn't have the passion for the job. So it was major, basically just a job that allowed me to have the weekends off and not be covering uh, high school sporting events on the weekend. So I spent two years doing that. And um, 
my memory is calling up uh, Mitchell Goosen from yes, Airborne at his course. real estate office. So that was the type of stuff we would do to kill time, <laughs> and then we would chat on uh, IM. All right, we'll try to get through a couple more of these real quick. Um, Roger Kirby wants to know, when will, we be, when will we be doing another Throwing Copper episode by live? I mean, if it was up to me, we would have done it three times over by now. Right. So it's just a matter of Bob and I sitting down and deciding, do we want to do Throwing Copper again, or do we want to do Secret Samadhi, or even The Distance to Here? Or we just do one four-hour-long podcast where we do all of them. Even five? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn this up, Bob. I mean, it's not a bad song. It's not terrible. It's not. Two more quick ones. Um, Tricky's never done anything bad. Which album liner notes did you spend the most time reading interpreting? This is a great music question right here. Reading and interpreting, huh? I will say the first thing that popped in my mind wasn't even the liner notes, but it was uh, Weezer's Pinkerton. When I discovered that if you lift, when you take the jewel case apart, there's a little treasure map underneath. I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I would just like stare at that little map Mm. and see like what was in there from that. But I think for liner notes themselves, Vitology took things to the next level for me yeah vitology just by the nature of the packaging yep uh warranted digging into it and trying not to get angry that it messed up your cd uh yes. jewel tower case uh recovering the satellites by counting crows i i remember that it seemed i think they put a, a good deal of effort mm. into the the artwork and i think Duritz's lyrics were in there so yep. at that stage i was so obsessed that I'm sure that I, I gave that a good perusal. But at the same time, I don't have like a... That's one thing where I miss... Uh, we kind of miss the boat on albums, like vinyl. Right. Like When you open those things up, it's like you're opening up the world of uh, what the artist is putting out and you're kind of like living with this physical pro- uh, product. By the time we got to CD jewel cases, it was you know definitely ratcheted down. And now that element of music doesn't even exist. Yeah. Which is weird. Weird. That's. I think that's a loss, but it's also, I guess, just a product of well, technology and the movement of time. The whole, the physicalness of music is missing, and that's sad. Like picking up magazines. And, no, that wasn't. That didn't fit. Picking up magazines and flipping through them to find, you know, information about your favorite bands. Picking up CDs, going through the liner notes. Like that's all gone now. Even CDs that had like cool artwork on the CDs themselves was like something you would stare at. Mm-hmm. It's all gone. Stuff. These fucking kids, these fucking millennials will never know. It's not their fault. Um, no, it's not our fault. What? <laughs> so confusing. <laughs> uh, all right. Last question. Probably my favorite question. What was the hype? Adam Rothstein wants to know. What was the hype around Pearl River when striptease and showgirls came out? <laughs> First of all. <laughs> First of all, Adam, you know us. Like Adam, Adam, yes. Adam gets us right. That's there. how you get on the show <laughs> with a brilliant question like that. Uh, this was the buzz. The buzz uh, for striptease was legit because yeah. Demi Moore uh, was at the height of her powers physically. Uh, she had gotten the big fake boobies put in and was obviously in peak condition. Uh, so when I believe she has a topless scene in that. 
There was a lot of buzz about I, I, that. I don't remember if she was ever fully topless, but she was like on Letterman taking her shirt off and right. promoting and it. And then like, the trailer, she was like in like a, a men's suit, business suit that yeah. she rips off on this. There was like a whole thing, a lot of buzz about the movie. Yep. Uh, whereas with Showgirls, it I was mean, more just a punchline. The, as well, I recall. But just the Jesse Spano being right. naked was insane to us. Right. there, I think there was a bit of a um, a crazy thought. I think, I think the difference why... What is the question again? Which was more important? No, just like the buzz. The oh, hype. the buzz. Yeah. I will say this. If it was Tiffany Amber Thiessen that was in um, Showgirls, Showgirls, yeah. we would have went to the theater and seen the movie. Oh, yeah. Even if we were young. I mean, what year was, did that come out? That 95. Was, right. Even though we were a little young to be in an R-rated movie, we would have found a way in. Right. For I think, it, And I think in general, the movie would have been a bigger deal because everyone even had a crush, it, crush on Kelly Kapowski. Even if it was Lark Voorhees, I think we would have found a way there. I don't think so. <laughs> I Lark didn't do it for me. And even... Um, I, I liked Lark. Tori, the biker chick. I, uh, that would not get me in the theater, but... but Violet, Tori Spelling. Violet wouldn't no. do it for me. Uh, but what about, what about What about Zach's girlfriend in the wheelchair? You know what? That would probably get me to the theater. Maybe. That might get me in the theater. <laughs> Stacey Carosi. Homeless girl. Stacey Carosi. She, before she was fighting Scientology, she yep. was uh, um, Mark Paul Gosselaar's uh, girlfriend in the summer season at the Malibu Sands. Uh, that would get me into the theater. Well, and using Scientology, speaking of, we did spend many years ago one football Sunday watching football with Demi Moore at Danny Masterson's house and Ashton Kutcher and Ashton Kutcher then Bo and that was like one of the most surreal we're living in LA moments ever is watching Mike Vick uh, kill the New York Giants with Demi Moore sitting next to us talking about her fantasy team that was the strangest day of my life yeah it was very strange that was the strangest yeah. day single day of my life I think <laughs> um, yeah 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 we don't need to get any deeper into that um <laughs> We're going to do Britpop, but I think the perfect <laughs> no, way the perfect way to get into Britpop is one final question from Rennie. How do you guys get your spouses to cover for the pod as a father of a three-year-old? It seems impossible. The answer, Rennie, is because of you guys on Patreon.com. There you go. Slash throwback. Now, Bob, that actually truly deserves applause because that's a great answer. Yep, that's it. All right. Then that's it. That, let's close up that mailbag. And that was fun. I enjoyed it. Um... But now we got work to do, Bob. We got to dig in. And I think this is also an appreciation for the overseas listeners uh, because I know from my trips uh, to London in 2018 and 2019 that there are many, many throwback podcast listeners. And uh, when we've had different events Mm -hmm. uh, for the Around the NFL podcast, uh, I've had drunk, um, pasty, handsome, uh, drunk men come up to me and say you should do this album mate oh crikey do this <laughs> album mate and there's spit flying everywhere and i'm loving it loving it uh that so was th- pre- pre-covid spit you loved just getting oh, spit on I was, like i kept my mouth open i said let's let's mix <laughs> some spit um but uh this is almost the way to say thank you to all of them yeah and i think like we've gotten so many great tweets and emails dan is unaware of all of them but people saying we have oh, an email? Oh, my God. You guys turned me on to Travis, or I had never heard Pete Yorn before. Thank you for introducing him to me. Like, we've gotten a bunch of these over the years, and we love getting those. So, in a way, this is like the reverse of that, where we're excited to find some new music from you guys, from our overseas listeners, from Nyal, and uh, the Britpop that we might have missed. 
a symbiotic relationship. There you go. All right, here we go. Let's get it going with one of the favorite artists of Liam and Noel Gallagher, the Stone Roses. Here is She Bangs the Drums. Oh yeah, this chorus, I know this song. You know, you can hear early Oasis, you can hear how much this band uh, affected them and how they were, uh, some of their musical ideas came from the Stone Roses, uh, especially the early stuff from Noel. Uh, This song was the second single from their debut album in 1989. And uh, I was, as a teenage Oasis fan, I was so obsessed uh, with Oasis that I did do the publisher's, not publisher's clearinghouse. Why do I always forget what Columbia House. Columbia House. And when you had to pick the 10 CDs, when I did a round of those, I got the greatest hits of Stone Roses. And that was um, all about... Why does every interview I read about Oasis, do they talk about this band? Right. They were coming up all the time. All the time. So I got the greatest hits. And I'd be lying to you if I said that I, I listened to the all the time and fell in love with them the way Liam and Noel did. But also, like, I I get it and I appreciate it. And this song, it's, it's a nice song. I like it. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, the Kinks or something, which was another band that never really broke over here decades before them. Um, yeah, the Stone Roses are kind of like the way that if you're a Wilco fan, you always heard about Uncle Tupelo being like the big alt country band that you had to like, and they were just harder to get into than the more accessible Wilco. I feel like Oasis was way more accessible for our American ears than the Stone Roses, but like this song I love, like I love listening to this, the song I Want to Be Adored I love, like they've got... Of course, so many good songs. Sally Cinnamon, I like it a lot. Um, Me too. That song, according to NME Magazine, was number 12 in their list of the 50 greatest indie anthems ever in 2007. Also... Number 26 on Pop Matters uh, on 100 Greatest Alternative Singles of the 80s. So how do you like that? See, I didn't even realize it was an 80s song, but that makes sense. 89. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Stone Roses. I think they had some type of acrimonious split. I think they might have gotten back together. 
There's some basic research that would have helped the that, show. I mean, we don't do that here. Wasn't ready for it, and we're just not <laughs> going to do it. All right. Up next. <laughs> yeah. Where's your sound effect for that? Where's your boo? Where's your booze? Boo yourself. All right. All right. Woo! Ooh. Well, they got, they got to look at me. All right. Let's Jeez. move on. Um, the Laws. Up next with a song called Feeling. This was a song I've never heard this before. This was one I was excited to hear for the first time because I can't believe the Laws have a second song. Right. They have the song There's, from the So I Married an Axe Murder soundtrack. And the She's All That soundtrack. And She's All That, of course. There she goes. That was a cover, right? That was uh, I believe it was, Sixpence yeah. None the Richer covering it? Yes, that was Sixpence, yes. Of course. Let's give uh, Sixpence None the Richer their due. As we should. Yeah. Yeah, we will be doing their debut album. How do you... I mean, I understand there's been bad band names as long as there's, there have been bands. But is there a worse band name than Sixpence None the Rich? I mean, the answer is yes, there is, but that's not a good band Diarrhea name. Planet. Di- fart Barf. Well, I do kind of love Fart Barf. Um, <laughs> the Laws only had one studio album. How about that, Bob? Never knew that. The only studio album. It had There She Goes on it, of course, uh, which was the group's biggest hit. And... Um, uh, that song, I, I like that one. That was good. The, you know what? The Brits—they don't overstay their welcome. One album and done, or like Libertines, two and done, and then they came back. But that doesn't count. Shows only going two seasons. You know, Fleabag just being like, "We're done after two. The Office. The Brits know when to leave. Unless the Sex Pistols, yeah. Unless these, like a band like the Laws, had like a second album that would have been changed the world. Could have, could have, but. Here's know. another way to look at it. The Brits are quitters. Oh, it's true. They did let us. They did let us leave. Pretty, you know. They fought a war for us, but at the end, they were like, "Ah, fine. Go start your own country." Crikey! <laughs> All right, here we go. Up next, oh Bob, it's one of your favorites. Yes, finally. You've been waiting a long time for this. Been waiting Bob. three years for this. Enjoy it. She came from Greece. She had the thirst for knowledge. She studied sculpture at St Martin's. That's what I caught her eye. She told me that the damp was loaded. I said, in that case, I'm a rumor. Coca Cola, she said, fine. And then in 30 seconds' time, she said, I wanna live like common people. I wanna do whatever common people do. Wanna sleep with common people? I wanna sleep with common people like you. What else could I do? I said, oh, I'll see what I can do. Listen to Bob, all oh, excited. I'm doing my little Jarvis dancing over here. So, uh, pure sex is how I see it. Uh, this is Pulp. 
Common People off their album Different Class, right? Yep. And uh, I love the song. I always love the song. I This is a top three song for me. Ever. All-timer. All yep, absolutely. Tell me why it's special to you. That's a, that means it's a special song. It's a special you. song for me. I'll The first time I ever heard it was when Pulp was performing on Letterman. And it was, you know, 90, when the album came out, I think 95. And I remember just staying up and I had heard the name or I had read the name somewhere and I wanted to see what these guys were all about. So I had my VHS ready and Jarvis and the band came out and he just did his Jarvis Cocker thing. And I was just like captivated. I was, I, I questioned if I was gay or not. Like it was like a lot was happening. Hard dick. 15-year-old Bob. But it was like, unlike anything I had ever seen, and the song is just incredible. Like everything about this song is amazing. If you, I don't know if we're raising it on here or not right now, but this part is great. Like everything. Now, it's weird because this obviously never broke big uh, in America. But when you talk about or if you watch a Britpop documentary, it is always one of those touchstone songs. And it, it touches on a big thing in British culture, which is about class and where people slot in and people's reaction to different uh, classes within British society. So I always thought I always enjoyed the lyrics. I think they're it's just an interesting song lyrically, and mm-hmm. I like I like it musically. I like the weird little like in the background. Yeah, and when when you're listening to it, you do feel like you're a part of something. Like it does feel instantly like something is happening in this song. It reached not a lot of songs do that on the UK singles chart. It was the lead single off their fifth studio album in May 1995. In 2014, BBC Radio Six Music listeners voted it their favorite. Brit pop song. Well, that's rich. Well, it's up is there this for your me. favorite Brit pop song? Yeah, I guess by by definition, it being a top three song. So your number for one me. song is Piano Man. Number two is River also of Dreams. Pi- is also Piano Man. Oh, Piano Man again. Yeah. Three is River of Dreams. I oh yeah, this is tied that. for three with River of Dreams. <laughs> the song is a critique on those who are perceived as wanting to be like common people and who aspire, ascribe glamour to poverty. Okay. I saw Jarvis in concert once in New York, not with Pulp, and uh, he didn't do any Pulp songs, which was sad. But I would do anything to see Pulp in concert. They're just such a great band. So many amazing songs. Are they together? I know bands don't exist anymore. No, not really. I mean, they had done a little like reunion thing a couple of years ago, but they're not together. Fuck, I love them so much. This al- and this album, too, was like, as a music fan at 15, 16, I remember getting this album. It was too British for me. There were like three songs I liked, and I just like would put it away because I was like, I can't relate to that at all. And then I would come back to it like every few months, and as time went on, eventually like I would be like, all right, I like songs one, three, four, and seven. And it's like, all right, like one, two, three, four, seven, ten. And eventually the whole album just became like one of my most listened to albums. You want to check in with Stephen Thomas Erlewine on them? I think we're going to, be, I, I, if we're not simpatico on this, I'm going to fucking hunt that asshole down. <laughs> let's hear what he has to say. All right, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. 
By the time Different Class was released at the end of October 1995, the band, particularly lead singer Jarvis Cocker, were genuine British superstars. Blah, blah, blah. On the heels of such excitement, anticipation for Different Class ran high. And not only does it deliver, it blows away all their previous albums, including the fine His and Hers. Mm -hmm. Pulp don't stray from their signature formula at all. It's still grandly theatrical, synth-spiked pop with new wave and disco flourishes. This isn't even my favorite uh, song on that album. We should probably do this album, Bob. Yeah, I think we I should. Know, Absolutely. This, this is something you should have pushed through legislature It has been months on, ago. I know. It's been on many polls that it always falls short. And at some point. But why, why send it to the people? You, you could be a dictator. Just you, say we're doing pulp, common people, or a uh, different class. Now is not the time to be pro-dictator, Dan. Come on. Okay. Let's move along. Let's all get laid. Oh, yeah. That's the name of the song. No, no. Garage's open tonight, Bob. Garage's open, the, the neighbors. Listeners. The yeah. listeners here, but so do the neighbors. The <laughs> neighbors are wondering what the fuck is happening. This, of course, speaking of Manchester, home of Oasis, and I believe the Stone Roses. Sure. Sure. Uh, this is James. And this, Bob, is my favorite Napster find of all time. Oh, this was a Napster find. This yes. was a bit this was a big radio hit. I don't think I had a connection to this song at all when it was on radio. Really? Oh, I remember this being on a lot. I, yeah. Um, so for me, and maybe I, I knew it. I probably knew it. And it was like, oh, whatever that song is, it was somewhere in the back of my mind uh, when I came across it on Napster. Because the song is by a band I'd never heard of. Right. And the song is called Laid. So it wasn't something where you would easily find it. This is a different era. So when I found it, it was just in total regular rotation on my real oh, jukebox great. player. I love that. I mean, I just, this is so beautiful. It's great. I had a, a girlfriend at the time that one of the lyrics early in the song checked out too. So uh-huh. it locks into my memory that way the, as well. The part about her dressing you up in women's clothes? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Makes sense. Mess around with gender roles, that part? Well, obviously, you know that. You and I do that as well with so each many, other. So many times. Bob and I are both dressed as women right now. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, Dan. Uh, James, terrible bad name. Uh, essentially a one-hit wonder here in the States, but they are a huge band overseas. And they're a band that years later... Woo-hoo! I just so late on that one. Well, that was the audience. They were like, wow. And Bob jumped in and said, there's nothing wrong with that. That just shows he's like a complete... 
well-rounded person. <laughs> it just took a while for people to like process. Well, you that. know what? After I was canceled in our last episode for equating Kylie Minogue to an object, I have to do whatever I can. I'm, I'm, this is my like rehabilitation tour. <laughs> All right, the audience gets that. They get it and they respect it. Absolutely. This is a band that years after Napster, uh, on probably on Spotify, like when I first got Spotify. I dug into to see if they had more than just laid and they have a ton of good music. Oh, it doesn't song, uh, sit down, say something. I think you would really get into them if you fell into like a James Mm. wormhole. Okay. Maybe I will. Yeah. I could see that. I will listen to some James. They're in your wheelhouse. All right. Up next. Oh, it's another, uh, Castro favorite. Supergrass. Oh Yeah. this song i love this song i love this album i should cuckoo this is their first single released on a small indie label uh back in october 1994 what about that they were a band i found it via tower records listening station as i was desperately looking for the next green day and i think they were kind of billed as like england's green day at the time desperate sounds right yeah wait what does that mean that's almost just trying to like uh, we were trying to find an identity so it's like if i could find the next green day and then i could take oh, no. that to high school i had already i'll be the king i had already found i'll get green back day. to that popularity no, table. I, I was already established i had found green day <laughs> so i was already i had nothing to prove oh well, there's someone else at that school that would say otherwise no i i was the green day guy that was my band i remember i took a class i can't remember the name of the class it was uh it was all about like stereos it was like basically a class for stereo maintenance, like people that would end up working at a Circuit City someday. Right. It was all dudes. There was one guy. It was dudes with criminal records. It was mostly skids. Yeah. It was mostly like the punks that would hang out outside Walgreens and me. And every Friday, Mr. Couples, the teacher, would let us uh, play music. Rest mu- in peace. Rest in peace. Would let us play music. And they would kind of, everybody would bring a song and everybody in the class was bringing Metallica. Like every it was just like Mr. Couples used to do this thing where he would get frustrated and he'd go blast blast. So it would be like thirteen Metallica songs, and then it would be my turn. <laughs> Poor Mr. Couples. I know it was nothing but Metallica, <laughs> and then uh, it would be my turn. And I remember I picked a song off of Kerplunk by Green Day, and I said, "Yeah, this is off of uh, Kerplunk. It's from before Green Day got famous." <laughs> and Justin McGrath and punched you in the stomach. Justin McGrath punched he said, me. Ride the lightning forever. <laughs> No, I remember somebody made the comment of like, uh, Green Day's not famous. Like it was like, like they didn't, to them, Green Day was nothing. <laughs> and here I was like, oh, I'm playing a cool punk song. But anyway, hold on. We're doing uh, Supergrass a disservice. Love Supergrass. They're a band. I own every one of their albums. I got this one first and just became a fan and just followed them. I saw them in concert in D.C. when I was mm. in college at the 930 Club. Uh, they're great. Let me play my favorite uh, Supergrass song. Oh, yeah. This is a great video, too. Wasn't this on the, uh, the road trip road soundtrack? Road trip soundtrack, yeah. yeah. 
It also had a great eel song, of course. Remember the first line? Great first line. It's like, Yeah, the video. I don't remember. Yeah, listen. The kids are a Life is a cigarette. That's great. Yeah, I love Supergrass. I would love to do. Wow, uh, there's he's got a real uh, Mick Jagger affectation going on there that I yep don't he, hate. Here in America, though, the only thing people know Supergrass for is "All Right," which was on the Clueless soundtrack. That was a very big, uh, mm. big song for a little while. Big alt rock hit. Interesting. All right, Supergrass. All right, it's and you would re- you know that song? You'd recognize that in a heartbeat. All right now, no, no, baby, it's, uh, it's a, nope, nope. all right okay, now. Okay, yep, that's it. That is it. All right now. No, you know, it's the piano. Baby. No, don't. Oh, thank you. All right now. Don't encourage him. <laughs> don't encourage him. Uh, no, how does that song go, Bob? Sing it for me. No, you need the piano. It's all about the piano. Oh. You have your computer in front of you. You can't eh. play all right. For like two seconds? No. Play it for two seconds and see if you remember it. All right. For two seconds for you, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> this is not it. Well, I'm searching for it, so you got to... <laughs> Actually, you know what? It's been a while. You need more practice while I find that song. Oh, it's time. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> you know what time it is, baby. Here it comes. Let's do it. Time for Bob to vamp. What's well, the name of the song? first thought is... All right. It's so confusing. I feel it in my pants. And uh, what more could you say? I feel it in my thighs. Uh, uh, but don't don't do this now. He makes the dolphins cry. The way you're bathed in light. It's time for Bob All right, I to no. time. <laughs> I did. To no. Time for Bob to you didn't That's vamp all at all there. I don't have to anymore. Oh, I love this song. Of course you do. Uh, this reminds me of Brittany Murphy being alive still. <laughs> <laughs> like dancing. Yeah. Is this a Supergrass podcast? It might as well be. I, let's do it. Yeah, it's great. Love that one. They were having. A, they were going to perform at the Will Turn. Wait, right? why haven't we done the Clueless soundtrack? We have to, because we have only done like two soundtracks. Okay. They were going to play at the Will Turn in April, and then something happened where they didn't can't, end up playing. Uh, yeah, I can't recall. I'm not sure what it is. Right. All right. Let's uh, keep going. Uh, speaking of Oasis, one of the uh, members of the later incarnation of the band was in a band before Oasis called Ride. This is Leave Them All Behind. Townsend. I was going to say, is, Ooh, feels like Paul o- British Paul O'Neill is going to come out. <laughs> With his cricket bat. <laughs> like, no joke has ever gone over the head of our listeners more than your Paul O'Neill, <laughs> Baba O'Reilly, like 11, walk up but music al- and 11 people really appreciate it. <laughs> I don't even know if you get 11. Yeah, you got the not. other guy in the garage here. That's it. Audience of one. All right, here we go.
funny that I believe it's Andy Bell from uh, Big Star. No, it's Chris Bell. I don't know who Andy Bell is. Andy Bell is from Ride the Band, and he later joined Oasis. Ah, okay. And you could hear elements of the later Oasis records in this song. So he obviously had a impact. Turns out this is eight minutes long, so I'm just going to move to the middle of the song and see how it goes. (laughs) Yeah, this definitely has that late period Oasis feel. Right, it's uh, not so much Don't Believe the Truth, but there's a little bit of that. Uh, what was the last album, the Shock of the uh, Lightning album? Dig Your Soul? Dig Out Your Soul. Out this your soul. definitely has a Dig Out Your Soul vibe. All right, this is kind of more like a groove. If you're in the, a certain type of mood, you put this one on and it's a nice, like, just... Are you saying this is Niel's Playlist's mid-album filler? You could say that. Okay. I'm without, okay. without taking a shot at the song, but maybe it, it putting in anytime you put a, like a seven or eight minute song in the middle of a playlist, you're playing with fire a little bit. Yeah, you're you're feeling yourself that you think you can get away with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe flew a little too close to the sun here. <laughs> I mean, I like I borrowed it. wings. I do like you know, it. It, it also not, it also kind of reminds me of my favorite band of 2020, the Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Still with them. I don't know why. I don't know why. I've been. Just stop. They're, they're back. They're back in the rotation for me. Just stop. No one cares. Nobody. That's true. Nobody cares. <laughs> it makes no <laughs> sense at all. All right. Let's uh, keep moving here. Uh, so that was the MFR of the playlist. <laughs> uh, but how about this? Oh, yes. Oh. Yes. Mount Baymore adjacent, baby. <laughs> what do they call a roundabout? Roundabout Baymore? Roundabout <laughs> Baymore. Hit it. Surprise hits of the 90s. Totally. It was was so hard to cross over um, to the United States at this time. Few bands did it. Even Blur couldn't really do it. Uh, Oasis did, but only for a short amount of time. And then there was this random group, Elastica, that had this song, and it peaked at number 17 on the UK singles chart, 
but somehow crossed over and became a, a number 53 hit on the Billboard Hot 100 and number two on the Modern Rock chart, uh, in addition to being a top 10 hit in Canada. So it was like a legitimate big hit. My sister had the record. I remember she had the CD. Oh, wow. Because they had another big single, too, didn't they? Well, yeah, I was going to say, they have had a, they had a few off this album. This isn't, uh, I love this song, but I think Stutter is my favorite Elastica song. All right, let's check in on it. Because I like, I like this song, but I'm that rings a bell in the sense that I thought there was another Elastica yeah. song I liked even more. And I'm trying to remember where I read it, but there was something recently talking about the Strokes that was saying as much as the Strokes, you know, got compared to, you know, the Velvet Underground or Lou Reed and all this stuff, that Elastica was a big influence on them. Interesting. And you can kind of hear it when you listen to these songs. All right, here's Stutter, buried at the end of their debut album. I feel like this was on the Jawbreaker soundtrack. <laughs> wow, what a pull. <laughs> it was definitely uh, featured in a movie with Rose McGowan. Oh, definitely. Kurt Cobain in this. Um, this is going right now, Bob, straight over to the deep 90s alternative playlist. Uh, Nicely done, yeah. Cultivating for years. Uh, I love Stutter. Okay, good. How about Alaska? Speaking of playlists, I feel like this is going to be a very tough episode to choose one song for our throwback podcast playlist. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one, but I'm excited for that. One. I'm excited for that task. What? What a responsibility it's going to be, Bob. I mean, we have the, an entire nation, and we know we know, Dan, that the Brits care a lot about their lists. I mean, they're very focused on bury me, playlists. Rob Williams, right? So, there's a good chance whatever we pick <laughs> will be written about over in uh, the Sun. Bury me to Rob Williams. Do you mean Robbie Williams? No, Rob. Robert Williams. Robert Williams. All right, here is an artist called Sleeper with a song called Nice Guy Eddie. Never heard of Sleeper before, but I can tell you right now, this is a band I am about to get into. Just based on this, I've never heard this before. I kind of love this. This is kind of mm-hmm. scratching an itch for me. Gross. 
Why is that gross? Because the itch is by your balls. That's true. Where else? Where else would it be? Um, I like that a lot. I like that sound. I do too. I do too. That's cool. Don't want to short drift it, but we got to keep moving along here. Here's Shed Seven with Bully Boy. Is Neil just making up bands at this point? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Never heard it. Never heard the song. Never heard of the band. Yep. Shed Seven's pretty shitty band name, <laughs> all things considered. But I love the, uh, the the vibe of the song, the feel of the song. Uh, I'm all the way in. Yeah, I like the vibe. This definitely feels like more of a you song than a me song. Why is that? I don't know. I don't but know I, what it is. I I definitely like it. But yeah, this is well, something you would think we're musicians. We would be able to explain. Maybe it's the the chord change or uh, the the key that it's in. We no. we should know. But maybe just we're yeah, so but, we're so we live in the music so much. Sometimes we're too close to you it. You know what, Dan? There's the musician side of us, but there's also the fan side of us, the okay. connoisseur side of us. And I okay. think that you can't explain why you gravitate towards art. Yes. So I think whatever it is that makes this scratch your balls, uh-huh. it's it is what it is. It's just the way that your balls respond. It's actually, close to my butthole. Your taint. Yeah. It's a little taint scratcher. A little grundle spot. A little. Perineum. Do we have perineums or is that only we for... Do. They just are less likely to split uh, during childbirth. Okay. Mine did, though. <laughs> Mine just popped. Heather was like out of the hospital in 12 hours and you were there for three weeks. <laughs> how did it How did it pop? I don't know. It just popped. What, what's the theory here? just popped. It's like, it shows that I, I care so much. You're like, no, it's just actually something crazy happened. No, you should be studied of... for years. <laughs> exactly. You might be an alien. All right. Bully Boy, Shed 7. How about that? I How like about that? that? Yeah. Yow's doing really nice work. And I mean, it speaks, Dan, to our level of investment that Yow sent us this playlist and we never, we never like dummy checked it at all. We were just like, yep, we trust him. <laughs> These could all be songs from like Russia and we would never know any better. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. They turned on you, Bob. No, I thought they turned on Russia. That seems like. <laughs> oh, Russia, yes. Yeah. Russia always meddling. <laughs> In our good topical, topical comedy. Quit meddling, Russia. Nice. All right, here we go. This is uh, now. This is a more well-known band to me, the Manic Street Preachers. Yes. I had a bottle Right here in my day 
love it. A design for life. Listen to this. That's great. It's great, but there is a part of me that's already, like, I'm kind of, like, begrudgingly enjoying this because I don't know a lot of Manic Street Preacher songs, but If You Tolerate This, Your Children Will Be Next is a fave of mine. Mm. I don't know if you know that song, Dan, but... Don't know that one. I, uh, we, we hear a lot they've of... They've been around the Manic Street They've been around. Preachers, As you yeah. say, we, we've heard the their periphery. name a lot over the years, but they've never had a hit over here in the U.S. Um, I like this and mentioned a bad band name and there have been a couple tonight shed seven amongst them uh but manic street preachers yeah is it's a cool great band. band i love I, this chorus yeah you know what's you know what's funny about this so as young uh, music fans trying to get into Robbie Williams, the aforementioned Rob Williams, you know, we could hear like the Oasis aping he was doing at the mm-hmm. time. This sounds like another band that he was trying to sound like. Oh, yeah. Like that is very, that's like the much better version of anything off of Millennium. Whoa, whoa, or the, whoa, whoa. Everything off of that, the ego is landed. We will not hear slander on the ego is landed <laughs> in this garage, Bob. Sorry. That you took it too far. Although I, I agree with your overall point there. Uh, that's one of my favorite songs we've heard. In fact, Bully Boy and A Design for Life, back to back, have been big time winners, Bob. Wow, look at you. And I like the one right before it. All right, here is. Why aren't we British? Why, why, did we, why did we grow up in New York? I don't know. I don't know. We would have been great Brits. We, well, we would just would have been like every other Brit. I think we would have fit right in and. And it wouldn't have been as special. But the fact that we have this connection well, across an ocean, Bob. Right. It's special. Here's it's Ocean special. Color Scene. 100 Mile High Sitel. Off the lock, stock, and three smoking barrels. Sounds like a song that we would have to play on rock band that we would just be like, what the fuck? What are you doing? Wait, it's right. changing tempo. Exactly. It's so this hard. Is definitely like the fourth song in rock band. <laughs> um, I don't know anything about this band. I've another band that I've heard of for mm-hmm. sure. I think they might even been another Manchester band or, because you hear these certain strange band names. They did not make it over here, but they would pop up all the time in different stories on oasis and brit pop and that ocean color scene is one of them mm-hmm. um all right let's uh we're gonna do one more song bob great of this playlist um i'm gonna give you three artists and you're gonna choose one of them okay all right the charlatans uk Ooh, 
Bell and Sebastian, Teenage Fan Club. Make your choice. I'm going to pick, is the Teenage Fan Club song Alcoholiday? It is. Absolutely that. And we're off. Do you know the song? It rings a bell. I love this song. a song called Alcoholiday, I'm already on board. I mean, yeah, this is one of my most listened to songs as an adult, I think. That's in the pantheon of great song names. An amazing song name. I, I love this song. I, this is on every playlist I make. I, I listen to this all the time. Especially within the context of uh, British and UK culture and European culture, Holidays Vacation. Right. So, yeah. Just completely drift away. Yep. On the booze. So this is off of their album, Teenage Fan Club's album, Bandwagon S, which is, I think, only famous in the U.S. for being Rolling Stone or Spin, I can't remember, their number one album the year that Nevermind came out. They oh, ranked wow. They ranked it higher than Nevermind. And I think they got a lot of blowback at the time, but they were, uh, they were staking, they were... Planting their flag for Teenage Fan Club. I remember that. I think he had a pin or something. I think so, yeah. Was he wearing a, like a Teenage Fan Club t-shirt or unplugged? I feel like he no. was some type of tie. I don't know. But the only thing I don't like about Teenage Fan Club is that Diablo Cody used uh, the song The Concept, the first song off this album, to open up Young Adult, her uh, that movie with... Her Shirley. magnum opus? Yeah, and I don't like Diablo Cody, so that I'm kind of annoyed that she kind of claimed... Why? Because she's a woman in power in Hollywood? Not now? at all. Not at all, because Juno's the worst fucking movie of all time. Uh, because finally, Bob, women are getting a chance to have their say Love in women. the industry. What, what do you have against women? Do you remember when I was well-rounded? Oh, no, not again. Speak to it, Bob. What did Diablo Cody do to you? I can't remember a more painful movie experience than sitting in the theater watching Juno. That was just It wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. It, it was, was a little cute. It was hamburger cute phone, half. dude. Hamburger phone. She had a hamburger phone. That's Ugh, true. Hated that hamburger phone. You know what? You're right. But I'm not going to let her. 
Okay. I'm not going to, uh, by the way, I love that you only found three sounds. So it's like you, you, you can't even, you're so limited in the responses and just overusing them the entire time. This is the future of this podcast, Bob. And you either get on board or you, you know, you wait until I replace you with like Zach Efron and uh, the show explodes to new heights. All right. If you can replace me with Zach Efron, I will gladly listen to you. Would you listen to the podcast? Honestly, if somehow Zach Efron reached out to me, okay, he's a big NFL fan, let's say. Okay. And he reaches out to me and says, "Hey, man, I, you know, enjoy your stuff. Love the power rankings." And uh, I like how you're hyping yourself up during this. <laughs> you could have just like thrown it out there. Like you have to compliment yourself during this hypothetical. Um, and I was like, "Oh no, that's that's cool, man. That's really it's an honor to hear from you. And you're such a big fan of mine. And uh, and you, you appreciate my, oh my talent. God. That's so cool. Oh God, that's so, so cool. We should have been done with this already. It's still going. And." Uh, and he says, yeah, but uh, also I feel like you could do a little better over on the Throwback Podcast. Zach Efron joins the show. Do you listen? I mean, I listen to your other podcast that has zero stars of High School Musical. I guess I would listen to this one, too. Well, that's classy. That's classy. I would leave shitty comments on Twitter and on, their, <laughs> and on the subreddit. Under burner accounts? Yeah, I'd have so many burner accounts for the subreddit. Um, Reddit, right. Reddit, uh backslash throwback pod oh yeah yeah nice yeah check that out uh talk about this their show all right bob it is time wait speaking of the subreddit before we pick i want to do something where uh somebody should throw something on the subreddit and list all the songs that we missed that belong on like the ultimate brit pop mm, playlist okay okay we'll put it together and we'll send it to everybody else so we'll have this episode's playlist, and then maybe we'll have another one of like all the ones we missed. I like that. Good I like idea. that too. Yeah. Fun. Fun. Zach Efron wouldn't fucking do that. <laughs> you really think Zach Efron would think like that? On the uh, fly? I think Come people on. have been underestimating Zach Efron as just another pretty face. Uh, I feel like we're properly estimating Zach Efron. So you're already worried about him. I like that. <laughs> all right. Let's... I mean, apparently he's such a big fan of yours. Oh, your work's so good. Oh my and God. Like, why does he have to be so complimentary? Threat. I mean, why does he, have to, he doesn't have to be this complimentary. I, mean, I feel you. like you're actually better looking than oh, people give you credit for. Now it's for. getting like vaguely sexual. Uh, thank you to everybody who keeps this podcast afloat. The Patreonies. Like, uh, I mean, everybody who puts in $2 a month, $6 a month, uh, anything that you could throw our way, we fucking love you for it. It's completely unnecessary, but you guys are the best. Thank you to our top tier sponsors, Courtney and Wyatt. Oh, yeah. And the whole fam over there. Uh, Wyatt's brother, Alex. You know, everybody, Dan, the whole fam, the whole Wyatt fam. I call them hot licks. Okay. Uh, Bruno, the sponsor up there. In the great white north. It's getting cold up there, Dan. Oh, jeez. It's getting cold up there. I and mean, his entire chance for survival is about can he get his axe deep into the forest to take down a tree <laughs> and then chop up the tree to feed it into his furnace. We have a very limited worldview. So that's what we think <laughs> Canada is. And, of course. Uh, well, that I, part of Canada. We know Vancouver. Beautiful. No, very clean city. We hear it's very clean and beautiful. Very clean city. Yes. And, of course, Kleine and Mansi over there. In Australia, down there in Oz. Uh, Kleine and Mancy, by the way, Dan, uh, recently uh, they tweeted at me, DM'd me that they watched Flock of Dudes over there in Australia. So, oh, got oh, some Flock oh, of Dudes that's fans good. over there. Yep. It, actually, hey guys, send us a 30 second review of Flock of Dudes 
and we might play it on the show. Hey, you want to know what happens if you uh, DM me that you watch Flock of Dudes and ask me like one question? I will just unload all of my experiences on you over a morning coffee. I sent him like a 3,000 word response about every element of the movie. Did you really? It was like therapy for me. Yeah, it was wow. great. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing to see you connect with the listeners like that. Connect or basically just unload. Either way. <laughs> they're like, they're speaking privately afterwards. Like, wow, we saw another side of Bob. That was a little too much. That was yeah. a little much. We probably shouldn't have watched the movie. So yeah, if anybody else watches Flock, let me know. All right, good. There you go. Flock of dudes. Find it in New Zealand. <laughs> hard, co- hard copies of New Zealand. <laughs> floating around somewhere in the black market of New Zealand. (laughs) In the Black Sea. All right, now it is time, Bob, to pick a song for the Throwback Podcast playlist. And this is really hard, Bob. This is one of the hardest, I think. Um, Let me me say my my thoughts, and then I'm going to throw it to you. And in fact, uh, because I know you you connected, especially uh, on this playlist, I want you to pick the song. But I want to say, while Common People is one of your favorite songs ever, uh, the fact that we will be hitting that album, mm-hmm. just to keep that in mind. No, not, I am. Not I've to heard... say that you shouldn't pick it. Right. No, I am keeping that in mind for sure. Um, but it's it's something you're going to have your opportunity to get Pulp on our playlist. So don't see this as uh, the be all end all opportunity. All right. For now I will turn it over to you. Anything uh, but the ride song. <laughs> With all due respect to Andy Bell and company. Yes, and apologies to the Charlatans UK and uh, Bell and Sebastian, two bands that I like a lot. For not, not enough to pick them, though. Well, I mean, I love that no, you made fan decision, club song. So. I did, but I love both those bands. Get off the fence, Bob. You're just like you can't you can't double cross them and then say how much you love them. No, I saw the Charlatans at uh, they were Coachella. All right, we get it. All right. We get it. We get it. <laughs> this is a really tough one, Dan. Um, <laughs> I don't know where to go with it. It's um, tough. You look at it this way, Bob. You can't go wrong because there's. So many good songs on this playlist that we're, we're in good position no matter what. You know what I think we're going to do? What? I think we're going to go with Elastica Connection. What? See, I was not expecting that. Yeah, you know, that. I was kind of between that and Laid. And um, those, those two popped out. Strong pick. Sensible pick. I thought you were going to go Supergrass. I was thinking Supergrass, but I also really want to do that album at some point. So I might have to deal with choice okay. that eventually. There you go. So that was really, uh, that's why that. So there you go. And a thank you again. A sincere thank you to all the listeners, no matter where you are. But this episode was a tip of the cap. A doff of the old thing. Yep. As the British said. The British thing. Um, Yes. Follow us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod. Instagram at ThrowbackPod. We're going to put up this playlist. We'll throw up some other collaborative playlists to make sure we discover even more new Brit What's like pop. the British hat? Is it like a bolo hat? Uh, sure, say bolo hat. I have no idea what, the, like, what you're thinking of right now. Sherlock Holmes's hat, remember that? A fedora? No. no. Sherlock Holmes did not wear a fedora. Yeah, he wore a hipster fedora. <laughs> what, what, what? You mean Lucy Liu, Sherlock Holmes? I don't know which Sherlock Holmes you're thinking of. Um, thank you to everybody out there listening. Give us five stars on iTunes. And go fuck yourself! Boom!